With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Line of Yenna Sweet Podcast, episode 103. My name is Will Jones. Joining me tonight uh, is Eddie Skelly. Hello, Eddie. Hi, Will. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Not too bad. Also on tonight are returning regular pundits, Tom Jenkins, and also James Jarvis. Hello, James. Right, Will. Been in a couple. I've missed this. <laughs> I know. It's good to have you back. Uh, yeah, it's becoming quite a weekly occurrence, isn't it? I mean, we, we've had a few in a row. Obviously, um, you know, we've not had Tom and James with us just recently, but you know, in the meantime, you know, we, we, we've been doing our best to keep up with with recent results and whatnot to do with the, uh, the takeover and and plenty of other stuff. But you know, obviously, we had uh, Norwich the previous week, and that's what we just touched on. Obviously, we got absolutely battered by them, despite the midweek win at Birmingham. But to be honest, quite frankly, the uh, the run of fixtures haven't been any kinder to us. Um, we'll come to that in just a minute, but um, firstly, um, we'll, we'll go in chronological order. Uh, obviously, the first sort of set of news that broke to us at the start of the week was um, to, to sort of sort our lack of scoring worries and uh, striking options. Uh, Marvin Emmers uh, was announced that he was coming on trial to the club. Boys, what did they make of that? I mean, I, I didn't think he was good enough when he was at Swansea. I didn't think he was that good when he was at Middlesbrough. He was never really... A, regular goal scorer anyway so I don't know how on earth he would be and what, what when's he not when was the last time he played does anyone genuinely know that it's been a while hasn't it definitely I mean I you know obviously his name hasn't done the rounds for a while but you know yeah because yeah because as soon as it was announced he just sounded like another another Abassi like he was just <laughs> going to be another Stephen Island who hadn't played for god knows how long and would take Three bloody years to get fit again. Yeah, I mean, Eddie, what the the bottom line to that was? Yeah, he's. Um, I think he confirmed in a press conference that he's he's been training, but he's just not up to match fitness whatsoever. Um, I think he's not played in like a year and a half since leaving Blackburn. He played a, a smatter of games in Turkey, and then he went to America and well Canada with the Vancouver mm. Whitecaps and didn't play there at all in in four months. So he's he's not played any games at all really, and it seems like a really kind of desperate attempt to you know to look for a striker to try and bolster the squad, but whether or not he's good enough remains to be seen. He's, he's probably not, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it remains to be seen, even if he does make, you know, fitness or whatever, whether or not he'll even get near the squad. Like I said, you know, even, even though we could do with another striker, you know, I guess beggars can't be choosers at, at this point. Um, but it, obviously it remains to be seen as to whether or not that develops. So we will let you know as soon as we get news on that. Um, but other than I swear, Emnes isn't wasn't really even really a striker either. He was a, he was a winger, so it would just be like playing Sami Amiobi at striker again. It would just be another person being played completely out position, even if he was fit. Yeah, I think he had one good season at Middlesbrough, if memory's because obviously they signed him the year that they went down, 
Um, and then in the championship, he got a run of games, played all right out, out wide, scored a few goals, got his move to, to Swansea eventually. But, you know, when, when you're playing in a relegated Blackburn team and you're by no means the best player in that side, you, you're not a championship player anymore. And I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm failed to be convinced that he was in the first place. So, as you say, it's another Abassi, it's another move that would just, you know, have, have, add another person to the payroll, which, you know, we, we can't afford at the moment. We might be able to afford in the near future, but it's not it's not a sign that any of us are going to get behind. Yeah, just looking at his um, stats over the years in the Championship, he's only had one good season, really, where he actually played. He scored 14 goals in the 11-12 season for Middlesbrough. And then the rest of the time, he's, he's not even played more than 25 games in, like, 15 seasons How did at he all. at Blackburn? Because I remember him quite vividly there. Four goals in 37 games in our competitions. Wow. So he's basically Josh McGinnis, is what we're saying. Uh, we, <laughs> Better. But he, yeah, he can't even head of all, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you look at the stats, it doesn't McGinnis have like, in like uh, within 60 games, uh, Donaldson and McGinnis between them or something like that, within 60 games, have scored like one each or something like that. His, but, his last league goal was the QPR game, which was before I even started my, my first term at uni this year. Yeah. That's how long it was. Yeah, September. Before. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like a long time ago, that, doesn't it? But uh, yeah, what another thing which seems a long time ago now uh, it was Thursday's eleven-year anniversary since we played Atletico Madrid away. Obviously, we uh, we covered that briefly last week, um, which was the you know obviously the, the anniversary of the home tie in which we we got that one-nil win courtesy of Elias Chief. Um and obviously on the away tie, as everyone every Wanderers fan I'm sure will well remember, it was the nil-nil tie. Um, which, despite its <laughs> its boring nature, you know, it, it was definitely a huge result for us to send us through to the next round. Um, do any of you lads have particular vivid memories of that night? Or I think from my side, it's just that it was just amazing. Um, given you know I, the first sort of, well, I mean the first season I remember being a proper ball wonder and being properly aware was like two thousand four or five, which was the year that we finished sixth and then got into Europe. And that following year, we were robbed at Marseille. Mm. Uh, obviously, I'm sure that you boys remember that the handball and all of the, yeah. all that nonsense. Oh, oh God! So, so that, so the, I think the overriding emotion from my side was just a feeling of sort of vindication. You feel, thank God, we've actually managed to, you know, make make a dent. And the fact that it was against that opposition, when you look at the team they had, you know, the Agueros obviously sent off in the first leg for, for spitting on Juve. They had Torres in that side <laughs> as well. Just, 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 just what an incredible result. Especially when you look yeah. at the team that I think we were playing. I mean, I, I don't remember the team per, per se against against the Let's Go Madrid. I just remember the Bayern Munich side, which contained such footballing giants as Danny Guthrie, Daniel Bratton, Gerald Sid, and Mikel Alonso. <laughs> to, go, to go toe-to-toe with that kind of team, with the team that we had, just incredible. Yeah, no, I, I managed to get the teams up like, last week of the one when we were at home. Uh, and it, that was quite a sight to behold. I've just uh, fished out the, the one that played away as well. And the lineup was as follows. It was Jesko Leinen, Nicky Hunt, O'Brien, Cahill, J. Lloyd Samuel, Stelios, Gavin McCann, Kevin Nolan, Joey O'Brien, Matthew Taylor and Kevin Davis. Yeah, that's not a bad one, to be fair. No, I mean, compared, compared to the bottom that's there, not a bad one. Yeah, it's both O'Brien's in there <laughs> against the likes of Louis Garcia and Maxi Rodriguez, Jose Reyes, Diego Forlan. Just, it's a hell of a side. It's it is. Abiati in goal, not to forget. Well, yeah. Kale, uh, Kale had four land on toast. He was all over him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, as you can imagine, both Nolan and Davis were both bought that night, but that's just standard procedure, I guess. But um, yeah, just so we've even competed in the same, you know, not physic, not literally, but you know, the, the same sort of league of 
as those were was just quite surreal when when you look at the current state of affairs now when you compare it to that it's uh, really really rather depressing isn't it (laughs) it's surreal that also that you think that Gary Megson has taken us further in Europe than anyone than Sam Allardyce did that's incredible (laughs) let's let's go over that quickly (laughs) (laughs) yeah but no like I say you know comparing it to the current state of affairs other than the news which broke this morning. Um, but and before we come to that, obviously, um, we had the really rather down-to-earth um, result against Leeds United, the, uh, the 2-1 loss. Um, boys, were we expecting anything anything more, anything less? Presumably. I thought we were going to get less. murdered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, Bielsa announced his team, I think it was either Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, obviously, a very confident, um, typically... He had every right to be confident. We were bloody yeah, diabolical no, I mean, against we, Norwich. We were never going to beat them, even if you know we could match them on paper. It was just, you know, never, never even in doubt, was it? I mean, obviously, credit to, to Mark Beavers for, for getting the goal. Obviously, stabbed it in on the line. Um, yeah, just false hope once again. <laughs> um, that's why yeah. I keep saying to you, Will, and that's what happens with this team. They keep on dangling hope in front of you and taking it away. And to be honest with you, I expected absolutely nothing less from this game. No, um, you know the second Beavers scored. I thought get in, but we now have an entire game where I think we're going to do something, going to get something, and we get absolutely bugger all. And it's just so it's so typical of this side. I don't I don't know whether it's a lack of concentrate. Oh, I mean, it wasn't lack of concentration from Remy Matthews, who'd been immaculate up until that mm-hmm. point, both against Norwich and and, and in that game. Mm-hmm. But it, it's those it's those fine margins that send teams like Leeds up and teams like us down. I mean, would it be sensible or a bit over extreme to to be? You know, to slate Matthews for, for that error, or you know, I mean, obviously he'd been particularly good. You know, these last few games as he's been called into action, um, I think it was perhaps just more a lack of concentration than anything, wasn't it? To be honest, he was probably due a mistake after all the heroics he's played in the previous games. Yeah, it, just yeah. I don't know. It was almost like it was just waiting for for something to sort of a, a shell to it, and then just be like, yeah. Forgot. Uh, uh, we can't have nice things, can we, William? We can't. But, but to be fair, I'll give I'll give the rest of the team credit where it's due. That from what I heard, um, I wasn't able to attend the game live because those prices were stupid. But um, we can all back that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, I'll give the team credit for. It sounded like they defended really resiliently from uh, for the forty five minutes up until that goal between ours and theirs. So no, you know, for, you know, full credit where it's due, but. Um, it's just a shame we just couldn't get back into it. Apparently, we, our heads dropped massively after that second goal went in. Yeah, no, just, I mean, I wasn't there either, but it just, by the sounds of it, you know, it was just not really likely to, to be coming back from that. I mean, I know we're probably ruining a chance that McGuinness missed in the opening five minutes. Um, and obviously, you know, that that came back to haunt us eventually. And yeah, it's, it's something that obviously, had we got a, 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 even a draw or a point out of them, rather, um, you know, it, it would have been a great result for us considering, you know, that their sort of position in the, in the league and how they've been doing recently. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Leeds United have a former Real Madrid keeper, even if he was a second choice Real, goal, Real Madrid goalkeeper, he still he was still there for a couple of years, and and they've got him in a Championship side. It's it's incredibly unfair to compare teams, but. It is what it is. If McGinn, I'd have rated McGinnis even more if he could manage to accomplish that. But it's a guy who's not scored since September, so what do you expect? Uh, Eddie, what did you make of it? I, I think it's just the same as a lot of games this season. You know, effort was there and the, the determination, or sort you know, perceived determination. But you know, they've come away again with zero points. It's now 
I think two wins in half a season, and it, you know it doesn't matter how hard you try or how many like how well you defend during a game. If you're coming away with no points, you know, and only two wins in half a season, you've got to take a look at yourselves, and you know it's probably looking like League One. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been the case for for a while now, hasn't it? So, um, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens with that. I mean, obviously, we, we got the typical um, remarks hot on social media um, that, that we received from a, a certain Nick28T, <laughs> who said, um, imagine being a Bolton fan and having to watch your team time waste from the 37th minute. 1-1 and the players have taken eight minutes to throw the ball back into play. My God, feels like every team plays like this against Leeds. So frustrating. It's what we're best at, lads, isn't it, really? <laughs> well, it's a, it's the a thing, way the thing is, why wouldn't you do that? Why on earth would you not do that when you're in our position playing a side like Leeds? I mean, I, only a moron would not understand why. I, I, think, I think Birmingham fans were giving us props for it, for God's sake, at the end of the game. Really? Yeah, but, basically shit housed it them out of it. Yeah, but it's Leeds. If they shit house, it's if they shit house. Oh, it's wonderful tactics by Leeds. Blah 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 blah. Their their own fans are delusional, mate. Yeah, of course they are. And of course that wasn't the end of the Shinat game, was it? Um, of course, it kicked off later on. I think there to do with the a water break incident, um, which involved Joe Williams and Pontus Janssen and uh, is it Click? I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Click, Matthias Click. Click, click yeah. is scoring goals yeah. more like Click is squirting water. <laughs> yeah. uh, apparently, Phil Parkinson. But from what I saw, um, the, the sending off I think was was very harsh. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, I've seen the replays of it, also. I wasn't there to, to watch it, but you know, I mean, lads, I presume you've seen, seen the clip back. But, you know, I think it's very unfair on Parkinson, wasn't it? It's it, to be honest, it's hard to say because the camera kept cut, cutting away during most of the major incidents. It was cutting away when um, Joe Williams was, uh, for lack of a better word, lifting Ali, Ali Oski off the ground, who was lying on the floor like a complete fanny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then it all just escalated from there. It's really hard to tell in the scuffle, but from what I could see, it looked like Pontus Janssen did try to push away Parky separating players, but yeah. I, I can't really say for sure, to it, be honest. It seemed like Parky was almost just defending the players, and as soon as he sort of tried to intervene, you know, Janssen was having none of it and, and started to push him. And obviously, you know, it's natural for, for Parky to react, you know, and I think, obviously, the, the, the Janssen thing sort of then... Uh, Parky didn't seem to take it too kindly to, and obviously, you know, he'd given him a little bit of a push, you know, where the referee wasn't looking, thinking he got away with it, and then when Parkinson was being escorted away, obviously, I had a few words to say to him. Uh, I couldn't <laughs> more than words, mate. Did you say? <laughs> I mean, I, I, obviously, there was the odd hand gesture, um, but you know, to any professional lip reader, I'm not sure exactly what he said, but it was along the lines of just saying he, he, he bottled that. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah, but Pontus Janssen is a sort of player who could start a fight in an empty room. To be honest, he's a player I would absolutely adore at Bolton if he was if he was doing that for us. Yeah, so. he's one of those where, like, yeah, you know, you'd love him for your, for your team, but you know, you hate him if you're against him. So it's one of those, I guess. And obviously, he's a crucial player for Leeds, but you know, for him to get involved like that and then, you know, end up, you know, taking the, you know, taking absolutely no punishment for, for you know, something that was all right, arguably something and nothing but even so to yeah. then to then cause a manager to get sent off because of it because of something yeah. he hasn't done just seems a bit absurd really um, yeah, at, at this point do we think there'll be any retrospective action against you know the likes of Janssen Clake Williams anything like that or I mean I, I, I doubt it there might be like the odd little fine but you know I, I doubt there'd be any I mean when a manager gets sent off in a game that's usually it isn't it really um I, don't know, I, mean, I couldn't tell you officially what, what, what the bottom line of that is. 
Um, I don't think it really matters, does it, to us? I, th- I think I think like all clicks going to get fined, you know, something for squirting a water bottle. I mean, come off it. I don't think it really matters that much. You know, it, it, the things uh, we'll be sitting here saying it'd be hilarious if Joe Williams had done it back to him as you know Joe Williams did to, to Ben Pearson back back on his debut. It's one of those where, as you said about Janssen, you you love him if he's for you, you hate him if he's against you. If it's an action by one of your players, you'd have found it hysterically funny, or yeah, well, pro- possibly not funny, but you wouldn't have been complaining about it. But, you know, mm-hmm. as you said, the Leeds fans are particularly delusional. You know, they're still arguing even to this minute about, you know, why why it's Alistair Charger is just completely, you know, unnecessary. Uh-huh. And, and un- <laughs> uh, the old saying that Joe Williams is living rent-free inside the fan- Leeds United fans' heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and of course there's that clip also of uh, Parkinson shaking hands with Bielsa um, and then Lee Butler having a little bit of a light-hearted uh, reaction to that. Um, and then Leeds fans have taken it upon themselves to to then decide that it was mocking Bielsa, and I'm not really sure where that's come from either. But it's just the bite at anything, won't they? Those lot. But I mean, fair play to them. You know, what I mean, they can do what they want. They won at the end of the day, and it's it, it's their bragging rights. But even so, I think I think they're overreacting ever so slightly. Yeah, I mean, unless there was any other points you wanted to particularly touch on from that game, obviously it was Olkowski who gave away the penalty. I, I haven't seen the incident as such yet. Um, do do we think that was harsh or no? It was a poor challenge. Stupid, but Eddie will agree with me. I'm sure. Yeah, just a blatant pen was it, and then Matthews presumably just got sent the wrong way. Yeah, so obviously that 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 was our downfall for for this time. But you know, I mean, Swansea away up next. You know, I can't imagine that'll be much easier. You know, particularly away from home, it's just not looking. Like things are going to get any better on the pitch, particularly, are they? But obviously, you know, since uh, then, sorry, go on, James. Yeah, I was about to say, to be fair, uh, if you want to look at it optimistically, Swansea, for lack of a better word, have not been the most consistent team in the championship this season. So we don't know what we could get from them. If we if we sort of if we sort of play like we did against Leeds or against Birmingham, then then we could be in the shot. But I don't know. But that, again, that's thinking optimistically. Turn up for big games like against Leeds, we don't turn up for the games against Swansea that could be infinitely winnable if we actually put a shift in. What would your prediction be, Tom? Well, for the Swansea game, mm-hmm. I reckon it's going to be another one of those where we concede early, uh, then suddenly decide to turn up at maybe the 70th minute, and then they'll go score another one on the break and they'll finish 2 0 to them. Yeah, that's a good shout, Eddie. Yeah, I think it's going to be a comprehensive win for Swansea, to be honest. Um, did you see that Daniel James goal from, I think it was last oh, week? That, that was brilliant. He, he, he yeah. scared the hell out of me when we played yeah. them at home. Just uh, the thought of him going up against Wheaton and Beavers and, and um, <laughs> oh, Grounds or Taylor is horrifying. And yeah, I just, I just, I just don't see us uh, getting anything out of that game at all. It's, it's already giving me nightmares. I'd, I'd rather yeah, it, only I'd... throw McBurney into the mix as well. Oh, I know. Yeah, just uh, not exactly looking forward to his chitarsery. I mean, I'm sure Joe Williams will take it upon himself to uh, to give a bit back. But you know, obviously, we could, had Joe, that... could Joe Williams actually decide to play football for once? That'd be nice. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Joe... Yeah. <laughs> Joe Williams is so frustrating because he's obviously he's clearly a fighter and he clearly won't give up he'll do a lot of yards he'll do a lot of running but my god has he ever learned to pass a ball <laughs> you know when he first signed and everyone thought he was brilliant you know and I think it was just a, a bit of passion you know and a bit of fight to, to want to win the game and you know at first I think that's you know all Wanderers asked for oh Wanderers fans asked for really uh, but in a way you know the, obviously since we're looking to play his first couple of the ground, games, he was actually yeah, sorry, but the thing is, the first couple of games, he was actually finding his passes. I'm starting to yeah. think whether those were actually just miskicks that found that found another target. Yeah. Oh, my God. Lukaku's first touch that goes about 20 metres and actually turns into a pretty decent pass. Yeah, it just gives him an excuse to go into a 50-50, though, doesn't it? So, yeah, but I don't know. Obviously, we had the run-in with uh, McBurney at Barnsley uh, the year before last. You know him, obviously. 
taken advantage of us not being able to, to cope with you know teams playing it as our own game in terms of a you know off the ball stuff. But hopefully, if, if we can count on Joe Williams for nothing for you know actually anything else, then it's going to be that, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, I was praying we would sign McBurney at the start of the season, but 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 you did too well at Barnsley, and now Swansea are benefiting from it. I think he was way above Barnsley's level at that point, wasn't he? Really, you know, to to still be yeah. hanging on to to a place in Swansea team. All right, you know, I know they've been relegated, but even so, yeah, I was on in the Prem on occasion when he was playing for Swansea. I, I thought he was a very very useful player. He's, he's just like I think was it, Nixon is absolutely in love with him, for example, and then the reason why is is just because he's he's the kind of player as we said. You love him if he's on your team. You love him, but he's not. He's like a a, a B Tech Diego Costa. Exactly. I was just going to say the exact same thing, Tom, about you know him just being one of those love and hate sort of sort of characters. Um, so we'll see what happens with Axe. I think that'll be the only matchup in that game. I can't exactly see the result being so. Uh, you know, or anything else other than one-sided, really. So we've all got that to look forward to to ruining our weekends next weekend. <laughs> but yeah, moving along from that, obviously things aren't looking much brighter on the pitch. But what we can happily Revealed to you tonight, and I'm sure you, most of you will have, will have seen this anyway. Obviously, the news that broke Sunday morning, this morning for us, it was obviously Ken Amerson agreeing to, to sell his shares in the club. Um, boys, celebration time. <laughs> Let's go to town. I mean, I mean, obviously, we don't want to put our eggs in one basket. Um, yeah, but obviously, we, we can't be so overly confident in, until our eyes are dotted and the T's are crossed, but... Are we almost certain that this is it? This is the end of Ken's reign, do we think? I think Woody he has to go, doesn't he? I, I, don't, I don't think he can afford to, to stick around any longer and you know not bankrupt himself completely. No, I think. Yeah, yeah I, I think realistically he's got to the end of this week. You know, before things start turning a bit sour for him, aren't they? So, as well, more so than they already have. But yeah, I'm hoping that we can rely on the EFL to to not you know sort of screw things up for us and providing that the funds are there. And I mean, I'm sure they are. And I know we've all heard the the Facebook connections and. Whether or not that's a red herring, like you brought up earlier, Tom, in the in the chat, you know that's another thing. But it's just I'm hoping that it's just completely legit, and for once, you know, we can actually be run properly. You know, we, we can actually organise a piss up in a brewery for once. Eddie, what are your thoughts on it all? And um, I mean, I was absolutely delighted this morning, you know, when I saw the news, um, because it just seemed like another false dawn. You know, you, you heard all these talks of potential takeovers. We, you know, we've had it for two plus years. You know, Jorge Mendes being involved in the consortium and fans getting overexcited on that one and then uh, Saudis and Americans and Chinese and you know when when this finally you know the Palm in the Bazaran finally you know news came about it was absolutely fantastic to see that it's actually come to fruition and yeah. it looks like it actually you know we could rebuild as a club and actually you know get some hope back into the club and I know, I know fans are getting overexcited with um, the fact that he's had business before, you know, like you mentioned previously with um, Eduardo Saverin, who was a co-founder of Facebook, and because he's worth $10 billion, you know, fans are getting pound signs in their eyes thinking we're going to become the next Wolves or, you know, the next Man City or something, but that's probably not going to happen. I was going to say, steady on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you, if you read um, what Mark Howes has, has updated in his Bolton News article earlier, he, um, it seems the more talking about stability and getting a more community aspect back into the club. So I think that's first and foremost the most pressing matter, mm. trying to just get a stable footing and not having to live months to month like we have with Ken for the past couple of years. And I think that's the most important thing at the minute. Definitely. To be fair, that's what they did with Man City for the first couple of years before they eventually became league dominators. Jane, yeah. just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just really happy that Ken's going. Tom, I know you're a little bit more reserved on the matter. Any particular reason for that? Or are you just a little bit about the whole 
you know, Bolton, false hope. I mean, I mean, there's part. It's partly that, of course, it is because you know I'm, I'm a Bolton Wanderers fan, and therefore I, I just expect the worst, but as, as a lot of us do. But I, I think well, well, the, the reason why we sort of got to keep our hair on is the fact: a, Ken Anderson, as we say, is under enormous pressure to sell, so as not to bankrupt himself and to get out of this, you know, with a little bit of money left in the bank, as in a profit based on his original investment, which probably was absolutely nothing. It was based on you know loans and pick notes, whatever. But we don't know that. Mm. Um, but the important thing to note here is that he probably would have said yes to anyone at this point. Yeah. And if and and it it certainly is beneficial from his side to say that he sold the club for twenty seven million because that gets people off his back when it's probably not not quite that figure. And it also benefits Palmer de Bazrin's um, company as well to suddenly appear, you know, as, as a big player in in investment. Whereas mm. at the moment they're quite a small company who've never invested more than ten million pounds into a business before. So this would be a huge step up for them. Uh, and also, I think obviously we're led to believe that there's three principal investors. So there's Basra, there uh, Sharon Britton, and the final one's name I, I've forgotten. Uh, but you know, the, the, it's sort of a, it's, yeah, it's, it's a mixture. It's a mixture of three different people, all with backgrounds that aren't you know multi, multi, multi millionaires, but clearly enough to buy a football club. I, I, like I say, I, I'm waiting for for something to go wrong. But yeah. uh, assuming everything doesn't go wrong, I don't think we're going to be suddenly you know, buying the league, as it were. No. But some stability would be nice and some ability to be competitive would be just as nice. Of course. Uh, Jeffrey Thomas was the one that, that you, you were showing to name there. Um, he's obviously you know just as involved. And you know, the combined total current assets value of £76 million, um, and a total current net worth of 11 So, not too shabby. <laughs> Yeah, although I know not many people have sort of heard of Sharon Britton's involvement in in such sporting ventures, but you know I think she's equally you know net worth forty five million, you know, so you know more than triple that. But that's the thing; these are clearly wealthy individuals who are clearly are business savvy, which which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, from what we've from what we've heard of uh, Palmer de Basra, it sounds like he's got a very very good reputation. You know, uh, people have got a lot of good things to say about him, which you know a lot of the time, you know, if you're Dale Vince, for example, you're certainly not having that same conversation about Ken Anderson. But yeah. you know, the, the, it's nice to think that there might be someone running our club with the best interest at heart. I think Eddie mentioned the community value. I don't think that can be underestimated, given the sort of the way that fans have fallen out of love with the club in recent years. Um, you know, there's obviously a hell of a lot to be positive about, but there's also a lot to be wary about. Mm. Because you know there was a, quite a lot of positivity when Anderson took over originally. Of course, I um, mean obviously Lee went about the same sort of uh, sort of way. You know, in in terms of getting involved in the Bolton community, you know, getting on Twitter and you know, sort of responding to to sort of each and every you know Bolton fans' cries. You know, in in a way that's great. You know, just to sort of settle in and whatever. But it's just you know being able to prove that you know you're going to be sensible with the money that you have and. You know, investing in it wisely and just making sure that you know the clubs run more efficiently than you know, and than worrying about you know satisfying the fans necessarily. Because I think to an extent we've been complaining about you know signings, you know, in the past potentially just being making the fans happy, you know, just for the sake of that, even though they're not potentially wise. So I think I can speak for us all in terms of you know focusing on make sure that that the club's in a stable position rather than uh, making every fan happy. Because I think we all know that that's effectively impossible. <laughs> And obviously, we can't take full responsibility for the for the whole sort of thing. With despite the protests and everything, I know um, Blackpool and Charlton fans were a bit like, "Oh, come on, guys, you've only done one protest, and yet you know you forced it out." And you know, I don't think we can necessarily take all the credit for that. And I'm sure Ken will refuse to admit that either. And you know, we'll, we'll assure everyone that 
he's doing it off his own back. But uh, I think we have to sort of hold our hands up and admit that while the protest was, I think, a, a success, I'd like yeah, based on the amount of people that turned up and the amount of coverage it got, it's it's the pressing issue of the fact that you know in a couple of days' time the bailiffs would be around knocking on the door and wanting to buy the stadium and turn it into a shopping centre. You know, it's that. Of course, yeah. That's quite concerning from his point of view. Yeah, so I think it's yeah, it, it sort of left him with no choice but but to get rid at this point, hasn't it? So um, obviously, hope it works out for all parties concerned. You know, by the end of the week and by the next podcast, you know, we'll we'll be able to say happy days. You know, we're sort of in the clear. Um, but you know, let let's not be overly complacent and just hope that it that all goes well this week. Yeah, of course not. But there's actually, um, from from what I've been reading, there's a lot more uh, hope to be had with uh, Parmin Bazran and, and all his team because uh, I've been reading from uh, Dan Ron that apparently Bazran he knew he knew Phil Gartside and he had a friendship with his and he still has a friendship with his son Andy who and Andy's um, own business is sports agency that uh, Bazran's invested in. So he, so he clearly has some links to Bolton. So. You sort of like to get the feel that it's not just um, just buying a club that's on its knees and its weakest that you can potentially invest in and you know, try and make a profit out of, like like Ken did last time. Because mm. and I know um, these are business people, aren't they? But you know, I think it's quite exciting to sort of get the gist of the fact that they're actually interested in in the sport. You know, and you know, it's all focused on that. You know, not just upon making money. And you know, of course, owning a football club is you know is a money making scheme to an extent, but it's a to have an, an actual passion uh, and want to see the club succeed, you know, in, in sort of every which way, you know, is really yeah, encouraging. Yeah, exactly. And um, the fact that he has a good reputation uh, preceding that and he doesn't have the muddy, the muddy history that Ken has, um, it all seems to just be um, pointing in a positive direction. But cool. if I have to play a devil's advocate here, um, are, are there any worries that Herman um, Nabazran, obviously, he still has some network, but are we worried about him potentially maybe withholding a lot of that net worth or any of his partners withholding a lot of that, net, a lot of that net worth if, if it still goes tips up? Or I mean, I'm sure we can't expect him to just load every penny that he has into the club, you know, on, on the basis that, you know, he's likely to lose a lot of it instantly and just repaying, you know, the things that, you know, we haven't been able to already. Um, you know, I, I think it'd be wise enough to know what the right amount is to, you know, to sort of give us and, and, and invest in us. And pushes in the right direction, really. So it's all very encouraging. And one more point that I was going to make on the whole thing is that you know the the rumours have come out that potentially David Weir might be interested in, in the management role. Um, what would you boys make of that? Do we think that that be you know obviously it's their choice to to decide if it'd be wise. But you know would, would you? Well, would it be a management or? role or would it be a coaching role? Because he's been a coach pretty much nearly off everywhere else he's been. Of course, you know, and I know he's been involved with with Warburton, and I'm not sure what what the deal is there in terms of them being sort of involved in a crossover deal, or whether it's the same party or whatnot. You know, obviously we've sort of been kept very much in the dark about you know who's involved in what. Um, if you uh, if you re- you believe what you read in the Sun, Mark Watson's yeah. supposed to be taking over and being in charge of the football side of things as a director of football, and with mm. David Weiride as the manager. Yeah, but Mark has been playing that down all day on um, on Twitter and other social medias. And mm-hmm. if you if you believe what Mark Howes has been saying, he's been saying that they've talked to Mark Warburton and he's offered some advice, but it sounds like he's not going to be taking no, such a huge role in the I club. Mean, yeah, something to consider is you know not wanting to uh, to sort of worry Park, you know, and and make him concerned about his position. You know, 
you can't expect him to to just be fine about the whole thing, you know, and you can't discourage him from, you know, potentially affecting things towards the close of the season and and how he'll go about that or whether or not he'll even be there to see that out. Um, no, I, I just wonder you can't whether or not expect... they're being yeah a bit coy about that for that exact reason. Uh, I was just going to say you can't expect um, Parky to have been told before a deal has been done anyway, whether, no. you know, whether or not he's going to be sacked to whether his job's safe. Um, I think we owe him, you know, the, the time to at least have talks with the with the new owners to, to mm. see where he stands and where they stand, and if they feel like a change is, you know, needed to try and keep us in the league, you know, so be it. I think I think it, there's an argument to be had. I mean, obviously, a lot of listeners and a lot, and possibly yourselves, are going to disagree with me on this, but I think there's an argument to be had that if, for example, we do get relegated, for give Parkinson the opportunity to get us back up with a little bit of investment into into the playing squad based on his experience at, at that level and the fact that a League One prop, um, a club is not necessarily a great proposition to a manager, to, sorry, to a new manager if you then sack the old one who, who you went down with. Another thing to consider as well is, you know, providing that, you know, the the new owners are, are going to, you know, allow the manager to spend money, whoever that manager is. We've had this discussion before, but whether or not, you know, you trust Parkinson with, with those funds, had, had they been available to him, you know, now or, you know, come the end of the season or... Come on, mate. Whether I think he's got a decent eye for a player, more of a decent eye than people tend to give him credit for. And a lot of the poor signings that we've had have been sort of down to the fact that he's not been able to bring in anybody else. But you know, I I I, I don't necessarily think that a lot of the signings he's made have been have been bad signings. Basically, but just you have to sort of factor in that he's working from a very very small pool, and I think we've squeezed every last drop out of that pool, mm-hmm. and that's why you suddenly see now us really really struggle. But yeah, it's good to see. You know, even though relegation is pretty much on the cards, you know, regardless of whether or not they, they will entrust Parkinson with that role and, you know, come come summertime. Um, and if we are, you know, a League One club, what, what happens with that, you know, and what approach they take in terms of, you know, being so financially involved, you know, whether or not, you know, the money would be limited whilst we're in, in a lower league position or, or what, you know, I, I couldn't tell you that personally. Uh, it'd just be interesting to see, you know, how we stand, you know, being taken over by wealthy individuals at, at such what is effectively a low level. Just wonder how that will affect us in the future, you know, whether or not we'll be able to, to bounce back straight up again or, you know, whether or not we might struggle. But yeah. Personally, there is a lot of legitimacy to the argument of uh, if we're going to get relegated anywhere, there is a lot of legitimacy to keeping Parkinson as a manager because um, obviously he knows the league, um, he, he knows the league very well and he will buy all the players necessary to do to keep to get us promoted in that league again, I I fully believe that he would get us promoted again if we went down to League One. But I think there's also the argument to be had that if the new owner's coming in um, and he wants to bring a lot of stability and he wants to bring uh, complete completely fresh ideas, reevaluate the community within the club, that he would have to completely build back from scratch, build back from scratch again because. Um, whether whether we like it or not, whether he he, do, he does deserve chance or not is a, is in my opinion sort of irrelevant because a lot of people have fallen out of love with Parky. Yes, we have the good memories from the past two seasons, but r- regardless of whether he has had that incredibly small pool to pull to pull from that small pool of players, he's he's not getting a lot out of the current players he's got now. He's he's alienated a couple of them. He doesn't play some of them who probably deserve to play. He keeps in. He keeps sticking with players who are woefully out of form or just do not deserve to be in the squad at all. I mean, we had this discussion last week about you know whether or not 
regardless of form, regardless of current positioning or whatever, or the necessary to, to make changes. You know, I think, you know, some people strongly believe that, you know, regardless of that, you know, Parky will make room for it for his favourites, you know, you know, whether or not that's accurate or not, I, I, I couldn't possibly say. Uh, you know, we've seen the likes of Mark Little and Nuren Ostuma, you know, be left out continuously. Whether or not there's been, you know, unrest there amongst the players and the management or whatever, or whether or not they're just simply out of favour, you know, again, we couldn't tell you that for, for sure. Uh, it's just interesting to see, you know, how, how he goes about his team selections and, you know, whether or not that would be likely to change before the end of the season. Do you, either of you guys have any more thoughts on that or is, do you think we've covered all bases with with that really? I, I think James makes a very good point in the fact that, you know, Phil Parkinson has managed to ruin, well, I, I wouldn't have said ruin, I think that's a bit harsh. I think the, the fact that it's gone stale to the point that all the good memories that we have of him for a lot of fans, I'd probably say I'd go as high as 80% of the fan base is now very keen to see the manager replaced. Mm. And I think it would be a very smart move for the owners to do it to get rid of him, but obviously not in a manner that's going to, you know, besmirch what what he's done for this club. Because as I maintain, he's been our most successful manager since Allardyce. Of course, uh, but, but it would be a very, very smart move for them to get rid. I think just just to get fans on side, get the majority, because the majority is always the one that you want. Um, and I think that would start bringing supporters back. I think a lot of supporters actually don't come to the games mainly because you know of Parkinson's football. You know, history in football is important to a degree. But it is history, and and the here and now, and the reality of the here and now is the fact that Parkinson is not getting the best out of his players, and has alienated not just them but also the fans. In that case, then, if if you were able to have the pick of the crop, the pick of the bunch, or whatever, on no particular you know grounds, who would you like to see come in as a replacement? If the, you know money, no objects, or. A realistic choice is a difficult one. Um, I, th- I think I think David Lee not yet. I, th- I think I think if we were sacking Parkinson now and unable to get someone in, I, I, I'd give him the job to the end of the season just to see what he could do with the final twelve games. Mm. Uh, but from a permanent point of view, I'd probably look look further down the leagues. To be honest, yeah. I'd, I'd see who's doing a good job there. Bond's a very very attractive proposition for 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 um, a lot of clubs who who are struggling. Yeah. And uh, you know you saw Nathan Jones move to Stoke, for example. But no, to think of an able top of the head is actually is actually quite a struggle, which yeah. which is difficult, which is obviously a, a, probably a problem that the owners are wrestling with at this point. James, who would be your pick? Yeah, yeah, probably the same. Um, it'd probably have to be a manager that would maybe play a different style of football, um, maybe yeah. get more out of the players, more of the players who can't, who do have that attacking ability, but just don't really know how to hone it. Like maybe players. Like like Joe Williams, like Aaron Ostuma, like like Yannick Wiltshire, etc. etc. If I, I suppose, uh, bear in mind that um, I'm not fully aware of everyone who's available or everyone or everyone in management right now, but maybe a, I don't know, maybe a Carlos Carvajal or something like that. Or, yeah, I mean, I, it, I like to think that someone like Neil Warnock might be interested, and in, although it'd be you know a step down from, him, I just think it'd be quite. Well suited to, to the club would, but he'd also, but he would also play the same style of football, and I'm one, and that's what a lot of fans are getting parky on. But if he, I suppose the argument is to be had: if you get results, it doesn't matter how you play it. But still, the Cowley brothers, anyone? Who? Oh, the Lincoln boys. Lincoln boys. <laughs> Possibly, yeah, it's a good shout because they they've done him exceptionally well just recently, haven't they? Just, you know, finding the way at the leagues and what have you. And, you know, seem seem to just keep climbing. I mean, there's options all over the place, isn't there? And I think uh, Lee made a very good point last week about you know how um, the Dortmund assistant managers uh, have managed to come to England and you know just pull it off, uh, absolutely no problem. 
and whether or not you know the next one who's in line there is worth just drafting in. He could just pull a name completely out of nowhere. I mean, none of us had heard of um, Dan- Daniel Farke before he came in, and uh, he's completely transformed Norwich into a brilliant attacking outfit. So, who knows? I, agree. I, I think you, I think it would be foolish to look to not look for a foreign manager. It's just you know the, the, this is Bolton Wanderers who've never, to my knowledge, never had one, have they? So we were very traditional mm. in that in that respect. That's very true. Eddie, who would be your choice? If and I was actually going to suggest the Cowley brothers before Tom stole my idea, so I'm kind of stumped <laughs> at the minute. Uh, um, I'm, I'm on the podcast all the time, Eddie. I'm full of it. <laughs> I mean, it depends what kind of avenue they want to go down. Do they want to go for someone who's got experience, you know, who's uh, one of these run-of-the-mill, takes a job every six months, manages in the football league, or if they want someone with fresh ideas, mm-hmm. or if they want to go down the Man United route, like um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and maybe look at a former player who's going to be that crowd-pleaser who, who'd be a... That, you know, a kind of manager who don't, doesn't necessarily have the credentials, but you know, would certainly get fans on seats. You know, like Kevin, Kevin Nolan. Nolan. Yeah, which is the name I was going to suggest. Um, don't you mean Super Kevin Davis? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, what a moment that was. But yeah, yeah someone, somebody sorry, like that who, who who has the uh, the club's interest at uh, you know the best interest at heart, and you know, maybe didn't get you know he maybe didn't get the the biggest chance at um at Leighton or you know because of dodgy owners and or at Notts County or rather you know he'd done a really good job there last season before he got the boot. But um, well, Notts County so he, regretting that decision now, aren't they? Uh, pr- most likely, yeah, and the position they're in because Harry Cool didn't work out, did he? Oh, no, no, he didn't either. No. But yeah, it, it just Neil Hardley they've got in now. I think so. Yeah, he's great. I think yeah. I think he'd be a good shout. He's, he's done a really good job at Wimbledon. Yeah. This is the thing. If you sort of look down, there's a there's a list of very very stable managers who've who've had you know jobs for a very long time and therefore you know could do do jobs. I mean, the job that Jim Bentley does at Morecambe, for example, doesn't uh, shouldn't go amiss. I mean, the man is keeping that side you know treading water when they've got absolutely no money and very very limited options in terms of the playing stuff. You know, I know. I know there's a lot of uh, people in the media who are very, very big fans of his work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, see, see. Well, we're, well, you can obviously look down, lower down the leagues. Um, you can also just look at managers where it doesn't work. Like, I'm sorry, but I, I'm still not convinced Phil Parkinson can manage in the Championship. I don't think Nathan Jones is going to work out at, at Stoke City. I don't know. It's it's really hard to say where where we could look for for managers. To be honest, I, we should probably. Just speculate, or who knows? They could actually probably give Phil Parkinson his chance and give him some actual funds. It's it's oh, really hard. I don't know about you guys, but I'd soon just watch someone build a legacy. I'd want, I'd try and what, 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 see someone come in and you know try and rather than a stopgap manager. I don't want to be you know like a, a Leicester City, for example, who you know bring in the manager every year and a half or something, have a dead cap bounce, realize it's not working when they don't win for six games, and then sack him. You know, that's not why we think our football club should be. It's not what it's been in the past. I don't think it should turn that direction. Yeah, definitely. Well, if they want that idea of stability, then they're going to have to think long and hard about that choice. Um, it was sort of it was sort of the same for how how long it took Ken in the first place to appoint Phil Parkinson. He was he, he was patient. Jimmy Phillips was running the team for three months, and then eventually he got his man. That's probably the best thing that Ken's done at this club. I would have said. I mean, who were the other two managers that were, that they were looking at? You know, when we all thought, oh, well, it's either one or the other. You know, before Parkinson. I mean, it was Adkins announced. and Cottrell. I mean, w- would you take either of them now? What do you think in hindsight that? No, no, <laughs> no, definitely not Steve Cottrell. I've, I've just had a look at um, Dortmund's reserve team, seeing as uh, they keep producing these amazing managers. You know, like um, what's his? What was he called at Huddersfield? David, um, David Wagner. David Wagner, and I think 
Um, Farker came from Dortmund as well for Norwich. Yeah, they, they, uh, was it Seawitz just come to? Um, yeah, uh, another one to Huddersfield. Yeah, Alan Alan Terzic is his name. He took over in January. I don't know how he's doing in the league, but he's obviously going to have an amazing career in England in. if he comes over. Yeah, there you go. We've picked a name out of the hat for you. Uh, <laughs> there you go, job done. No more interviews needed. <laughs> but other than that, I think we, we've covered that pretty well and obviously we'll just have to see how that pans out over the course of the week and hopefully we'll be able to, to bring you some more news on that next week. Hopefully it'll be a bit more of a, a celebratory podcast. Um, but until then, um, we'll go through some of your twist questions because... For whatever reason, we just completely forgot last week. Um, so we'll cover last week's first, given that they're still relevant. Um, and then we will move on to the ones that you've kindly given us in the last hour or so. Um, so where we will start is with Tom, yourself. Mm-hmm. What happened to James and Tom? We're you back, can tell us yourself. That's what happens, we're back. <laughs> you are back. Oh. We were dead for about three weeks and now we're alive. Exactly, yeah. I'm sure hold on, hold on, on a secret mission about which we cannot give any information. Very good. I'll ask no more. <laughs> I'm just looking at a few here. A couple of them aren't really relevant anymore given uh, yesterday's news. Today's news, rather. Um, one that is still is Paul Skelly. Any relation, Eddie? Uh, yeah, he's my uncle. He lives in Sydney, so uh, he's a regular listener. So, Brilliant. hello, Uncle Paul. Shout out to Paul. Hello, Paul. Hi, Uncle Paul. Hi, Uncle Paul. Hi, Uncle Paul. <laughs> Paul says, should we be happy with relegation as a sensible step to regroup and prepare with new leadership? Our last League One season was great. Chris, it would be in... Paul, hasn't he? He loves it. He loved being in League One. He did. Yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I love beating a lot of the teams down there, but... It, to be honest, if you really want to try and push back push back up for stability, we should be trying to push for stability on a championship budget. I don't think we really have a choice in it anymore, do we? Uh, oh, no, oh, neither, <laughs> oh, neither do I. I mean, we're four points adrift now, and with the current crop of players, I don't see it coming back. But if at all possible, if we can somehow remain in the championship yet again, um, maybe Clayton Donaldson will be on our Wilbraham this season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Well, we want me oh, to imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, something like that. If if we, I would probably much prefer to do it on a on a championship level. But oh well, I, I all wouldn't mind another league one tour. Go down to Wacky for a day. Eddie, I'm sure you've had endless conversations with him about this. But would you like to give him a personalised response? Yeah, I, I don't think happy is the right word to go that back down to League One, really. But, it, you know, it was nice to be a bigger fish in a, a little pond um, and seeing all the people getting really wound up, like they did with Leeds in the, in the Championship, you know, to be that bigger team and to rattle fans and to take results from, you know, grounds that you, you don't really get to go to. And it was just, it was great, really, because, you know, you got to actually go to an away game and expect a ball and win, which hasn't happened really in the Championship in the last few years. And, if, you know, whilst it does look like we are probably going down, you know, I'd like to see us still try and put up a fight and stay in the league. But if it's not possible, you know, it wasn't disastrous being in League One, provided that, you know, we can actually build a, st- a team capable of getting back up to the Championship, whether that's with Parky or with somebody else. Yeah, good shout. Um, Joe Ramsden says, if this takeover happens... Uh, and we actually get a decent injection of cash, what should our first move be? I think that's obvious, isn't it? We need goals. Yeah. A little, yep. little bit. Just, <laughs> just, just a little bit. 
Yeah. Striker, we, definitely first and foremost. Joe suggested Marvin Emnes. <laughs> <laughs> Please, no. Yeah, <laughs> Joe, Has anyone else looked at him and thought he looks a bit like Mustafa Riga? Riga's back. I'd Google, I'd Google him because he's in Africa somewhere causing some trouble last time I, I heard. I was going to say, didn't he get sent down or something? I mean, I was not the like only like former wanderer getting in trouble in Africa. He threatened to beat up a, a guy named Journalist a couple of years ago. Brilliant. Well, for telling him he was shit, because I can tell you right now that he was correct in that assumption. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Criticising his management style, apparently. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So um, well, I remember I'm, about Mustafa yeah. Riga, right? I think he, when we signed him, I think he was supposed to be a replacement for Juve, and he's turned up at like the home game against West Brom and done like an outside of two outside of the foot free kicks that have both been saved by Scott Carson, and then I never saw him again. <laughs> that was it. Yep, never to be. Wasn't seen. he on number ten for like two years? I mean, I never yeah. saw him. Look back at our crossbar challenge videos on Soccer AM and he's there both times. And the, the, he, he looks like he's the most popular person in the team and he's never played. He had the best chant though for a couple of years, didn't he? Every, every time he, he came for the warm-up, people just shouted, Riga, Riga, and he never came on. It, he's, he's sort of a weird cult hero in a sense like that. It's hard to explain. We miss I don't Riga. know, I always no, we don't. Just... Any more irrelevant names? <laughs> Ariza Makakula. Oh, Sebastian Puy Grenier. <laughs> Lubomir Mikulik. Heide Helgerson. <laughs> what, what, what is our club? Laughing stock. Zoltan Hassanyi. Les Edge Augustin. Zemish Lord Kazmierzak. Any more? No, Zoltan Arainzi. Giles Coke. Oh, God. Simeon Slavchev, boys. <laughs> Philip Twardzik. Oh no, what was the name? Did we have? Do we have the little Portuguese lad? Oh, Rashina. Rashina. Yeah. Oh, he was sick. No, he was good. To be fair. No, he wasn't. He was. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was for a bit. I'm pretty sure. No, I'm not taking. I'm not taking the mic. I'm pretty sure that game against Ipswich that Rashina played pretty well. Paddy McCarthy was also in that team alongside Giles Coke. Paddy McCarthy was actually decent. I'll tell you, he wasn't decent. No, for that. Francesco Pisano. Did you go to the Blackburn game? I think it was Which that game? year or whatever. And, and, and Paddy McCarthy was playing centre half. I think it was his debut. And I actually thought he played out his skin to say he was like actually getting on a bit. I thought it was brilliant. But that that was the funniest season I think I've ever been involved in. Just the sheer number of players that we had on our books who I never saw play. Yeah. Like I felt so bad for Slavchev because he did like that twenty minute long interview and then like played once. I think. <laughs> yeah, but he got a longer he got interview injured. than game time. <laughs> he said he said he, he said he followed the club since he was a child. He played with them on FIFA and stuff like that. <laughs> oh my days! The things <laughs> the things he'll say. <laughs> I mean, at least it's just a change from originality. Like, yeah, great to be here. Delighted, buzzing. Can't wait to get started. I played with Bolton as a like, kid on FIFA. Across, this podcast has descended into chaos that like we're just shouting random names. This is genuinely intriguing. Like, I'd is. love to sort of do a thread of like all kinds of clubs, random players who they just, you know, I, I can't believe this person represented my Vladimir club. Vice. I liked him. Uh, Greg, he was good. Greg Wild. I, he was not good. <laughs> he or me, I actually. He was good. He I liked him right. as well. Yeah. All right, all right. Let's go. Let's get off this. Topic. I was going to say we're, we're just shouting random names out. It's just like well, I'll just ask a question in a minute, and one of you will just say a random name. <laughs> I'm googling. <laughs> <laughs> get an old football manager save out. 
So we'll move on from last week's questions because I think the rest of them they sort of answered themselves by now. Um, but I failed. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, James. <laughs> Steve Derrida. Oh, he was brilliant. Shut up. Alan Hutton. Um, all right, all right, go on. Neil Hunt. I think, Eddie, you've already answered this actually on Twitter. Um, if Ken is selling his share of the club, then who owns the remaining 5%? That's a good question. Is it just the fans' shares through the supporters' trust or whatever? Or is it just... I don't know how it works. Yeah, I think they were split down a long time ago and then fans could be able to buy a share in the club. Yeah. But it's not. It's, it's pretty much worthless. There's not many people who've got one. I think my granddad owns a share mm. and Sam Big Sam has a share. share yeah. 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 Uh, get, your finger, get your finger out. Where's the where's the transfer t- signings? What are you playing? I know, and yeah, I know. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to ring my granddad up tomorrow. You know, and have a go <laughs> uh, But yeah, no. So a, a lot of people have these shares, and I know Big Sam's share was bigged up last year. Like people thought, oh, he's going to take over the club now. But yeah, they're, they're pretty much worthless, and it's just. I think you know, even, even though everybody would love that, I think Big Sam would have to be absolutely daft to actually think about even remotely doing that. Like, because you could hundred percent afford it. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's another. We could hundred percent afford him on the off, but could we afford all of his all of his targets? Exactly. Yeah. Or the uh, or the wine or the unlimited Bovril we probably want as well. In pints, I could get behind that. I could very much get behind that. I'd fund it myself. Student loans for days. Um, Sorry, just just to butt in, Will, because I, I, I know you, you know what I'm about to do, but I've just come up with an absolute gem of a random player who plays. Oh ball. God! And this is over. This is done. Once I've done this. Jan Gregus, who has now gone on to have 21 caps for Slovakia after playing no times for us. On <laughs> I remember him. Didn't he score like a screamer for the under-23s and was never seen again? Absolute worldy, Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. If you've not seen it, check it out. I think it's on YouTube against Manchester City's under-23s and then he was never seen again. Gail Kakuta. He's a Minnesota United now. I didn't even think that was a team. Didn't get yeah. Oh, wait, wait, guys. I've got, I've, I've got it. Who's he got now? Who, all right, who remembers Yannick Bastos? I remember Yannick Bastos. I remember Yannick He was another Bastos. one who said that he Wasn't was he supposed to be like the biggest Luxembourgi footballer or something? And then he just. <laughs> I don't think he's ever appeared for their national team ever again. I'll tell you he's one who's like, actually now. doing all right, Chris Basham. Like, isn't he skipper of Sheffield United? Yeah, or like when Charles not playing, like he's actually gone on and done all right for himself. I thought, but Michael O'Halloran Hall- complains about our academy. Michael, Michael O'Halloran all right in um, Scotland. Toppy of the day, he's still knocking about. Benicophobi. Hey, all right, all right, all right. Liam McNeil says, "Reckon tilt top is the way forward for the rest of the season." I mean, we've only got two. I I used to think yes, we have to play four four two. I was absolutely set on it, and now it's like I don't think it would make any difference. Like, literally, if Beavers are waiting to play up front, I think we'd score more goals. I, I think that's a given. Yeah. I, I still think we should play 4-3-3, but I, I especially even more now, considering it. that we only have two bloody strikers. <laughs> I yeah. suppose three if you count Connor all, but he's never going to play for us. 
The problem is I, I, I would play 4-3-3 if our wingers weren't so absolutely terrible and also played on the wrong side and have no interest in crossing whatsoever. It's one of those things. I can't, I can't understand why you know what, why Parkinson throws Will Buckley on for about five minutes and then expects him to suddenly make a huge change to the game when you give him 90 minutes one week and he can't do it in that time. So I don't understand the logic. To be honest, Will Buckley should be a right winger. I heard well, he did quite well at that. No. Uh, uh, also. Will, Will Buckley should be at another club. Will Buckley well, yeah. should not be well, yeah, a professional footballer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we have him, though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The problem is, he's still going to come away from this season with a little bit of credit because he's scored a few goals that have flown in off his chest without him knowing anything about it. And then taken all the credit for he cupped his ear to the fans. That was that. I, I mean, I still... it's like Cole Stockton at Tranmere who scored like one in twenty-one, and then you know shushed the fans when he scored that one goal. We've had another one, and it's like an anonymous account. So uh, when we will we find our new Kevin Davis, someone who truly gives their all and leaves every match, leaving their blood, sweat, and tears on the pitch, someone who can be a true leader. We sold him. He's at, he's at Gillingham. He's called Tom Eaves. Are you are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going. I thought you I were going to go go Gary Medine. <laughs> no, you're kidding me. Not Gary Medine. Gary, Gary, I reckon Kevin Davis would say boo to Gary Medine and he'd have a heart attack. <laughs> I think Jay Spearing was about as close as we got, wasn't it, really, in terms of, like, recently. I, I love Jay Spearing. I'd have him back. Anyway, Andrew Gallagher has asked, who is commissioning the statue of Ken? Ken. Yeah. Lee. <laughs> <laughs> the fun Kathy from the match one shorts. Um, yeah. It's a 70th birthday present from Lee to Ken. And yeah, Matty Dearden, the final one, has a very good suggestion. Get Parminder Bazran on the show. I would Mr. certainly love to. Mr. Bazran, Mr. Bazran, if you're listening, <clears throat> DM us. Um, slide in. We'll try and get Ian on so we can actually make some sense of the financials. <laughs> but um, yeah, until then, if we've covered everything else, unless any of you have anything else to add. Uh, no, I've, I've sort of exhausted my list of. I was going uh, to say it, it's been a great show, boys, until it sort of went to to the dogs. But you know, it, it's been enjoyable nonetheless. Um, so thank you. We've to taken everybody. a few people down memory lane. Well, a lot of people oh, we appreciate have. it. I'm, I'm sure they will. Um, but yeah, thank you to everyone for joining us. Um, Tom, do you want to plug yourself? Where can we find you? I don't. I don't really want to give my address out on a podcast, Will. Um, I, I, I don't have Twitter to all intents and purposes. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> James, regrettably, where can we find you? Uh, you, can, <laughs> uh, you can find me at Real James Jarvis. <laughs> Brilliant. And Eddie, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Eddie Skilly. Brilliant. And you can find me at WI1L. And obviously, all our ramblings are on the Line of Vienna Suite website. Make sure to check out the podcast on iTunes, leave it a rate, and yeah, let us know what you think. Give us more suggestions for next week. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. But yeah, until then, it's time to say goodbye. So say goodbye, Tom. Goodbye, Tom. Goodbye, James. Goodbye, James. Goodbye, Eddie. Goodbye, Eddie. And it's a goodbye from me, Set That V. Thank you.